Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Welcome to church. Thanks so much for being here. Why don't you fist bump somebody nearby as you're finding your seat? Say, you better back off my blessing. You better back off. Somebody write in the chat, you better back off. What's up online people or whatever camera you're on? Hey, hey, we're excited you're here. Thanks so much for showing up. Hey, there's a podium. All right. Thank you, Vince. Man, I'm excited to preach God's wordy today. I just, I just, uh, I'm stirred up. It's going to be crunchy. It's going to be good. I'm going to enjoy it. I don't know if you're going to enjoy it, but I'm going to like it. So I'm glad I go here. Um, hey, so next weekend, it's just a big, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's the family festival, okay? It's going to be a big family picnic here at Fierce right after church. And you know what happens, man. If you don't go to your own family gatherings after a while, you know, the extended fam's doing something, you just kind of, ah, and you skip, you know, this time and the next time and the next time. After a while, you just don't feel close to anybody. You still are maybe, you know, you're related, but you don't feel close. It's the same way with church. So if you want to feel close, if you want to feel like a family, you got to come to the family stuff. So I'm just telling you, next weekend, come to the family stuff. It's going to be baptisms. It's going to be ab fab. Um, also, just a heads up for anyone who's interested, there is a brand new job opening for assistant director of Fierce Kids. So if that is your jam, I want to encourage you to go online, fierce.church slash jobs, and check that out. Here's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about humility waits for God's timing. Humility waits for God's timing. And I know different ones of us, no matter where you are in life, we're always waiting on something. There's always something that we want. There's always something out ahead. It's like, man, I can't wait till, and you fill in the blank. And, it, you know, that's great, and it's great to, to get stuff, and it's great to come into new seasons, and, oh, finally it's here. But we're always waiting on stuff, and there's just a timing that we learn to discern as we walk with Jesus Christ. And part of discerning God's timing is growing in this grace of humility. So I know it's a little different today, but when I was in high school, okay, this is, is, is a bit ago. Um, when I was in high school, you know, t- in order to have, you know, really, if you wanted people to notice you a little bit, you might do something a little zany, okay? You might have some weird hair. You know, that might be what you do. You might like wear a t-shirt, you know, that says something a little risky. Like that would have been something we would do, okay? Nowadays, people do, do just different things in order to gain attention, okay? So you can go search YouTube and you'll find people filling swimming pools with Coca-Cola and then strapping themselves into Mentos shirts and then they jump in, you know, and then they're like, see, wasn't that crazy? You know, and, and the whole gig is, I want you to share my videos. I want you to like me. I, w- I want to leverage this tool. They'll, they'll do almost anything for likes, likes man. You know, they'll, they'll dive out of a, an airplane, you know, trying to drink a milkshake, you know, see if that works. And they're, all, they're doing the whole thing just to be pizzazzy and just to get our attention. And you know, I don't want to take away, I mean, I really believe Jesus celebrates what's unique about us. He, he likes it. He made it. He put it in. He likes what's unique. But he does want us to watch out for the, the danger of training our hearts to always be seeking the applause and the approval of other humans. That's a danger, man. He doesn't want us seeking that because often that will conflict If I'm always trying to get everybody else what they want, that is often going to be in conflict with trying to get God what God wants. Because what God wants sometimes is the exact opposite of what everybody else would want. So it can be damaging to our relationship with Jesus if we're always worried about the applause and the approval 
of other people. It can make a real mess of our spiritual walk. So we're in this series called Misfit Messiah. We've been in this a lot this summer. And last weekend, we had just left Jesus, and it was, it was like a big 24 hours, man. He had, he had just fed the 5,000, then he, overnight he walks on water, and then he's telling his disciples the next day, hey, just so you know, like, I'm the bread, I'm the bread of life, and if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me, meaning if I don't become your whole life, and I, if I don't become your everything, you just really can't be my disciple. You're just kidding yourself that you're really my disciple. <clears throat> well, the Bible sometimes has this fun way of not, not paying attention to the rules of the future. The way we write things, everything has to be in chronological order, it has to be neat, and there has to be a certain flow of logic that we expect in the 21st century. They had no such worries in, in the ancient Near East when the Apostle John was penning the book of John. And so in just three words, he skips six months. So we're going to come in on chapter 7, and he's just going to say, after these things, so after all the things that we just said that were happening at Passover, he just says, after these things, six months later, now, you can find all the things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? That six-month span, that's when Jesus is, he's ministering in Galilee, and, and you can go check that out. But John's just like, hey, man, we, got, we need to skip to another section. And so he speeds things up. But just so you understand what's happening, Jesus is chilling kind of on the home front, okay? He's, he's in Galilee. He's with his brothers. Now, some of, some of us didn't know that Jesus had brothers, but actually, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, they, they went on and had other kids. And so his brothers were around, they were alive, but they didn't yet, we know one of them, we know James actually comes to believe and trust that Jesus really is the son of God, he's the Messiah, but they didn't believe in him yet. And when I said they didn't believe in him, they didn't trust him. They could see that he, you know, God was using him to do, do miracles, but they didn't give over their lives to trust that he alone could save them from their sin. That's what the gospel is, that's what it means, is that we come to Jesus by grace, through faith, not trying to do, not trying to fill all the religious check marks and tick them off, no, we just come straight just as we are. Just Jesus wants the version that we are, and he says, I forgive that version. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to draw you into a discipleship relationship with me, and we're going to walk the rest of your days, and I'm going to teach you how to do the Jesus life. And it's a totally different life, but it's way more fulfilling and way more fruitful. That's the thing that they didn't quite understand yet, at least for James. And so they're, they're, really, they're seeing things the way a lot of us do a lot of the time. They're seeing things from a very worldly perspective. They're seeing things from a worldly point of view. And Jesus has stayed away from Judea, from Jerusalem, from where this Feast of Booths is going to take place. My wife wanted me to clarify, booths. I'm not saying Feast of Booze. There was not a Feast of Booze. There's a Feast of Booths, okay? And the booths are like shelters, like little tents, okay? So you ever see Survivor Man, he builds a little shelter, okay? It's closer to that. It's a little tents, we would, we would think of it, Okay? And it commemorates the time when the Israelites, they were traveling from Egypt to the promised land. And for 40 years, they lived in booths. They lived in tents. And this is like the biggest festival of the year. Okay, so the ancient historian Josephus, he tells us this was the big one. Like everybody comes to the Feast of Booths. <laughs> but the Pharisees, see, they've been wanting to kill Jesus for a little while because they don't like him. They don't like this upstart. They don't like that he, he sometimes disses them to their faces and says the things that they're doing really aren't the heart of God. And so they're, they're, they're ready. They're watching. And see, in this time, we would think like, hey, if you're going to go to the feast, you're just going to get in the car and you're going to drive over you know, to the feast, wherever it is. But in this time, entire families and entire communities, they'd go together. See, all the men of Israel were always supposed to go to all the feasts. They didn't always go, but they were supposed to. And they'd go with their whole family, the whole town sometimes. Hey, we're going to go to a big caravan. 
Some of you remember when Jesus was 12 years old and the family was on their way and Jesus got lost. He was lost for like a whole day before Mary and Joseph even noticed. The reason he was so hard to find is because they were with everybody. And for the most part, they're like, ah, we trust he's with somebody we know. That's how many people are going up often when they go to these festivals. And so here's Jesus' problem. It's time to go. He's, he's stayed away from Jerusalem because the religious elite, the, the, the religious they're called the Pharisees, and not all of them are bad, but the ones in power were trying to take down Jesus. They want to arrest him. They want to kill him. He's, he may be afraid that they're going to meet him on the way. You know, they see Jesus' crew coming, and they're going to like, all right, let's get this guy right now. So he's maybe a little bit thinking about that. And then his brothers, as they're pressuring him to go, he's like, guys, you're thinking about this the wrong way. You're thinking about this according to worldly priorities. And just so you know, like in, in the story, in the narrative we're going to read today, you always look in the Bible for who's the everyman? Who am, who, who am I? Who am I supposed to be in this story? And often it's a, it's a little disappointing who we are because we always want to be the hero. But often the spirit of God and the inspired writer is pointing out, well, you're not the hero yet, buddy, okay? You're more like the brothers, okay? So we're the brothers in this particular story. At least often we behave that way. And they don't have God's ways in mind. And they, they, live, a very, they, they live along with the flows of the world. But that's different than how God normally does things with people. Okay, when God wants to do something, when God wants to move his plan forward, he really looks for people that are going to say, God, I'm willing to go against the flow. I'll I'll go, I'll do whatever no one else wants to do, okay? I'll live an entirely different culture, different way. That's what he did with Abraham. He says, Abraham, you come out of that culture. I'm going to lead you into bringing a whole new people. And this is part of his plan of bringing the Messiah. I'm going to create a whole new family. And they're going to live entirely different than all the nations around them. And then he calls out Moses. Moses has to go against the grain of the Egyptian culture that he was raised in. Raises up people like King David and a few of the kings. And says, we're going to do things entirely different from the world. So when God wants to do something to move his kingdom forward, he's going to use people that are saying, I'm I'm willing to go against the flow of the world. But, But the brothers don't get this. They don't understand. And here's reality. Although people often mean well, Fulfilling God's mission for our lives means being careful to wait on his timing and to live according to his truth. Verse one, after these things, six months later, Jesus was walking in Galilee for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, just clarification, just translate this in your head if you're a little new to this. The Jews, they're all Jews here, okay? But the people that are eventually gonna read this letter are not all Jews. So when you read Jews, that is John, the writer, who's also a Jew, just saying the religious professionals who are antagonistic toward Jesus. That's just shorthand what he means there. Now, at the feast of the Jews, the Jews, the feast of booths was near. So his brother said to him, move on from here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you're doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself is striving to be known publicly. Well, that's a real jump. That's a real assumption, brothers. If you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed him. Let's pause right there. Not even his brothers believed him. Why does John say that right there? Because if his brothers really believed that he was really the Messiah, the Son of God, then they would know He's not going to need to help the father out here. Father's plan will do just fine without us having to prod him and give the Messiah advice. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always ready. The world can't hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. 
I'm not going up to this feast because my time, somebody say my time. My time has not yet fully arrived. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went, not publicly, but as though in secret. So the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was a great deal of talk, a lot of hubbub going on about him in secret among the crowds. Some were saying, he is a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he's misleading the people. However, no one was speaking openly about him for fear of the Jews. Meaning they had such a a stranglehold, even on what people were willing to say out loud, that no one would say anything good or bad about this Jesus. I think that goes to show us, though, also, even though his brothers are pushing him to, hey, man, like explode your fame, it don't matter how much more popular we ever get. It doesn't matter how much more influence we ever get. There's a certain percentage of people that just aren't going to like us, just like they didn't like Jesus. I don't know if you if, if, if notice this. There's a percentage. I read a stat on it once, but I don't remember what the stat was. It was something like it was 20%. 20% of the people you ever meet, they're not going to like you. And, you know, so if, if you know 10 people, hey, okay, two people don't like you out of, that, out of that 10. If you know 100 people, it means there's 20 people that don't like you. Now, if you know 1,000 people, if you're, if you're kind of famous and influential, that's 200 people that don't like you. So in other words, we're just saying, hey, man, even if you get it, just remember, not everyone's going to like you. They're, even right here, there's people that don't like Jesus. So for Jesus and for us, humility waits on God's timing. God has a timetable that is different from the world. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always ready. Meaning, hey, for you guys, you can just, you just do whatever seems to come into your mind, but I'm on God's program. I'm doing things God's way, and God has a hidden secret will. See, God does all, this, all the time. God does, all this, does stuff all the time without informing you and me. He's got his own secret will. And if you ask him, there's things he just won't tell you. Because like, that's, that's my business. Only the Father knows that. I'm doing, I'll, I'll take care of that. That's my secret will. And part of his secret will is often his secret timing. But occasionally, as we're walking along on the earth, and if we're trying to really do God's will, he will give us an awareness of like, okay, I've got a concern about the timing of this. You might even be right about what you're trying to do, but the timing is wrong. Anybody ever gotten, gotten the timing wrong? Like you just, you're trying to do something, and it was a good thing, but it just wasn't the now thing. It wasn't the thing God was calling us to. So there's a hidden timing, hidden will of God. And sometimes we can see this like in the rearview mirror. We can look backwards and we say, man, I can see, I can see how, yep, 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 that just wasn't the right time. You know, then we, we went on and we did this and then it worked because that was the timing of God. So we can often see it in reverse, but we can't see it forward. It's hard to discern unless the Spirit of God reveals it to us. Now, part of that secret timing of God, Jesus references in verse 10. He himself also went up, not publicly. This is the same word as though in secret. This word is apocrypto. And here's what it literally means. Here's the dictionary definition. To hide with a benevolent purpose, either because of the incapacity of the receiver to understand or because of the knowledge of the revealer that such a revelation of hidden things would not benefit the receiver. So there's stuff that God keeps from us. They just like, you don't need to know this. This doesn't help you to know this or it doesn't help you to know this right now. And parents, you know this. There's, there's questions your kids ask when they're really young that you're like, you don't need to know about that right now. There's even horrors that happen in the earth that you don't bring up to your kid while they're young because they don't need to know about murder. 
They don't need to know about rape. There's all kinds of stuff. There's like, you know, I'm, I'm hiding this from you. I'm not trying to deceive you, but I'm not including it in your worldview right now because you don't need to bear the burden of that. But then other times, something is hidden so that it's all the more of a revelatory surprise and more enjoyable when God finally gets to reveal it. And see, even the Savior, when he reveals himself, it's a good surprise. He's trying to stay hidden so that when he finally does reveal, reveal himself, it's all the more glorious, all the more wonderful. When I, when I got my undergrad degree, I came home the weekend, the weekend I came home, I found just my surprise, my parents had bought me a car. I wasn't expecting this, it was a nice car. I wasn't expecting it, I was just like, man, I'll be like if I can bump a ride from somebody. And so when that garage door opened and I saw that car, my joy was like doubled or tripled, not only that I got the car, but that it was a surprise. And I remember telling the Lord, I was like, you knew about this the whole time. And you're going to tell me this car was coming? And it was his secret will. He didn't inform me about it, but he knew the surprise was coming. Jesus does that a lot with his timing. So I don't want anyone to be frustrated that you don't know the timing of God about everything. And even with Jesus, you know, he just did the general will of God for the Messiah. That's what, you, don't, you don't see Jesus like with a bunch of start stops. He's like, wait a minute. Okay, wait, it's, the time is back here. No, it's up here. Like he doesn't do that a lot in the gospel. But there's a few times like when Mary and Martha send word to him and say, Lazarus, your friend, is about, is about to die, man. You better come. You better come help him. And yet Jesus says, okay. He stays put for four days. And his whole purpose is, you know, it's cooler for me to raise him from the dead than to just heal him. So I'm gonna wait till he dies. And then the glory and the exposed revealed secret is all the more glorious because Jesus was on God's time. He recognized it. He was constrained by the timing of God. And not only does he exhort us to do this, but Paul the Apostle says this too. Galatians 5, 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So there's gonna be people in your life and in my life, they're gonna give us advice. They're gonna be like the brothers and be like, I'll tell you what you ought to do. Here's what you ought to do. And they're gonna mean well often. But often, they're not gonna have the priorities, the agendas, the goals of the Father on their mind. And we're gonna be tempted because we all, we all wanna please people to some degree. We're gonna be tempted to jump. Okay, yeah, you're right. And we just go. We don't even think. We don't even pray. And we just gotta know, hey, I thank you. I thank you for your input, but I've gotta be, and that might be part of what God is trying to say to me, but I've gotta be able to go slow enough to hear from God. I've gotta be able to, I've got, you gotta give me time. If there is time, you know, what's the window of time, okay? If we still have another two weeks, I need that time. I'm gonna use that time to see what else I can hear from God. And I'll tell you, man, when I first started as a pastor, like I was a real, I just didn't do this very well, okay? People would come along and they'd be like, hey, here's, here's what you ought to do, Carter. Oh, yeah, I'll just get, I'll just get right on that. And I'm getting much more comfortable now. I'm just like, all right, I know you want an answer. I know if I just tell you something, that'll solve your problem and you'll go on and blah, 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 do your thing. But I'm just getting much more comfortable like, I don't know and I don't know when I'm gonna know. So good luck. I'll ask the Lord, but you better find another way around without my decision because I don't know. I need more time. So the answer is maybe. The answer is we'll see. The answer is you ain't getting it today because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the answer. And we we got to get more comfortable saying that. I remember when we first started, when we first planted a church in 2009, um, you know, that was one of those moments, and, and these are few and far between, man. That was one of those moments where I was, I 
sensed the, the burden of the Lord. And, and I, see, I didn't really want to start the church. I didn't want to do it. I was afraid. Like the, the church I had planted like 10 years earlier had uh, split and crashed. And I was like, I ain't going to do that, man. I don't want to do that. And the Lord kept telling, no, it's time. It's time. It's now time. Okay, it's time. And I was like, Lord, ah, you do it. And he, he, it was one of those moments where he's like, you need to do this right now or I'm going to give this call to somebody else. And he put just the fear of God, and it was like, geez, even if it fails, I'm afraid of that, so I'll just try. But it was one of those unique moments where I'm telling you to do it right now. Guys, the amount of times that that has happened in like a quarter century, very few. I mean, it's been like two or three when God has been like, you need to do this right now. Now, much more often, he'll give you and I a check, we call it sometimes, it's a little yield sign. It's a little yellow light instead of a green. So we're, we're going off. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. And if we're paying attention, something in our spirit will be like this, uh, this. My mind says I should do it, but something in my spirit says don't do it. Something's wrong with this. And that is our good God saying, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. I've got a plan, but you need to slow the boat right now. You need to get my counsel because it may not be my will that you run over Lazarus and just solve his problem right now. Instead, you just need to wait on me. So I just want to challenge you. If you got a big decision or even like a medium decision, you got to get a hold of God's will first. Don't just jump at what everybody says. Don't just listen to just so-and-so and you who, and hey, they, they're not going to be responsible if you do it wrong, okay? If you just cause a bunch of problems for yourself because you didn't really ask enough questions. Here's number one. Our discernment of God's timing increases as we reject the world's thinking. Did you notice that Jesus brings this up when he's talking to them about they don't understand the priorities and timing of God? He said, the world can't hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its deeds are evil. See, these brothers, I'm sure they mean well, you know, I'm sure they love their brother, but and they're just thinking according to the way the world, the world thinks, hey, man, just blow it up now. Hey, man, you got a good thing going. Why don't you go to the feast? See, in the feast, all the religious people are gonna be there. Every, dude, you're going to have like tens of thousands of people. Jesus, this is the time. That thing will blow up, man. You'll be so famous. And Jesus is like, yeah. See, we're not even after the same things. You're just after what natural man would conclude. I'm after what the Father will bring about in his own timing and his own way. Y'all are of the world, and you're comfortable with the world, Jesus is saying. And all of us get comfortable with the world. We don't even notice it. We're thinking according to the way the world thinks. We just, whatever they say, hey, do this. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, you got you to do this by this age? All right, well, I'll do that. You, hey, man, you got to compromise over here because that's the only way you're going to get over here. That's the way of the world. The same apostle who's writing the book of John also pens later, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Hey, Christians, I want to be as clear and helpful as I can possibly be. And you know this, but we all have to own this together. There should be something about our lives on this planet that feels at odds or antagonistic with the world around us. Like, we should not be able to just float down the river with everybody. That should, that something should be going way wrong. There should be alarm bells going off in our spirit. Because that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus said should characterize his followers. He said, man, when everybody hates you, when everybody's putting you down, you should be jumping up and down because that's how they treated the prophets. 
And the prophets went against the grain of the culture. That doesn't mean we're not friendly. It doesn't mean we don't have gentleness and respect, but it means we don't just keep our head down and, you know, I hope no one sees that I'm a Christian. I'm just gonna keep on going. No, there should be something within us that says, oh, this, is, this just feels weird and at odds sometimes. And like Jesus, that means we tell the truth. At first, that means we tell the truth to ourselves. We, when this thing is wrong, we just say, that is wrong. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says about it. It doesn't matter what my buddy says about it. It doesn't matter what the boss says about it. It doesn't matter what the tube says about it. Well, it matters what God says about it. And if it's wrong, I gotta tell myself that it's wrong. You might not even have to tell anybody else. Maybe you, you, you work in a place where, dude, there aren't any other Christians and you shouldn't expect them to obey the way a Christian is because they haven't made a commitment to Jesus. But if you have, and you gotta find a way around that. And, and I know what that's like, man. I know what it's like to be working in a garage where there's porn on the walls and there's nothing I can do about it. You know what I'm saying? Other than say, hey man, can we put this somewhere? Can we put that in the restroom or something? Someplace I don't have to see this. Is there anything you can do? And sometimes you just gotta lean in like that. And, and maybe they won't, but maybe they will. We gotta tell ourselves the truth. And it's helpful to people when we tell them the truth. Okay, so, so people ask me, car's it really true, I gotta pay my taxes? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, Romans 13, you have to obey the authorities of the land. That means, yeah, you can't even speed. Like, that's, that's true. Tell yourself the truth. That's what's true. There's all kinds of things that we, we just have to say are true. I remember just, a, a, when, I was a, when I was a real young Christian, I had a lot of questions, and I, I probably sounded brash because I would just, well, what about this? And I'd just ask questions like that. What about, you know, Adam and Eve? They can't be real or whatever. And, but really, adult even though they're probably a couple years older than me, adult people would just say, hey man, you know, Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. If Jesus is right, they're real people. And even just that simple explanation was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I already told the Lord, like, I'm gonna trust you that the Bible is true. Okay, good. Then I'll just, I'll just believe it. That's good. But in other words, someone more mature just had to tell me the truth. And he didn't try to like, he didn't try to bake it real special, like a special cake and be like, well, I slipped this in there just so you, you know, maybe you'll just, no, he just said, no, here's the truth. Here's what's true. It's just true. Are there places in life where you just need, maybe it would be ministry to somebody who would say, I mean, I love you no matter what you do, but here's what's true. Here's what's true. Here's what it is. Um, hey, there's a lot of people that mean a lot of good and they're really trying and they're trying the best they can to be as helpful, help other people up, oppose injustice. Can I, can I tell you a secret? Can I just tell you what, what's really true? Wokeism is godless. So if there's any confusion about that, I'm, I'm just going to tell you as a preacher, there are right-hearted things about some of it, but it's completely godless. There's no Christ in it. There's no forgiveness in it. All there is is unforgiveness years of blame, and there's nothing you can do but run into dead ends. And it's here's, here's layers of oppression that you're somehow involved in, and Jesus Christ isn't anything about that. He's like, look, I picked the time and the places you were born, and you're responsible. And you're responsible to come to me and get my salvation and then rock your life and bring as much justice as you possibly can. And so I, you know, I give a high five to everybody who's trying to help somebody up, and you see injustice, hey man, let's, let's get rid of that. But I as a, as a worldview, as a system, wokeism is demonic. And you'd like any other human invented system, it's just a big pile of mess. It's not gonna help. It's not gonna do anything. It's gonna make everything worse. The gospel alone sets free. The truth sets free. 
So I, I, I figured we were in this message and we're talking about truth. And, you know, this is kind of an old conversation now, but I just want to be clear. If there's any confusion, we're, we're all for justice, but wokeism is demonic the same way communism is. And we don't have time to like really pull that apart, and we probably should at some point. But that's what's true. It's the world. It's, it's a rehashed version of the world. Um, now, some sin, though, we're going to say is practical. You know, we're saying, Carter, come on, man. It's, it's, it's 2020s, man. Get with it. You got, people got to be able to hook up. You know? There's got to be co- compromise in some areas because it's just later in the game, man. Like progress and stuff. Can't you get with it? Well, let me ask you it this way. Let's say that you're married, okay? If, even if you're not married, let's pretend for a second that you're married, all right? And you, you get to a, a juncture where you and your spouse have to spend a year apart, okay? You got to go on a trip or they have to go on a trip and you're just going to spend a year apart. And while in that year, you're saying, you know what? I got to tell you, man, this is just really impractical. I'm going to have a couple other intimate partners just because it's, it's practical. And, and everyone's got to understand that, right? I mean, it's practical, it's the same thing with Jesus. Just because it's practical doesn't mean it's not treasonous and heartbreaking. Just because it's practical, who cares if it's practical? There's a lot of practical stuff that is vile. Who cares? If it breaks God's heart, why would we want to why would we want to defend it? So people are going to give us advice and here's here's like a real I wish someone would have taught me this on day one of me being a Christian, okay? So even if you're not a Christian, you get to learn it. If you're a brand new Christian, I'm, I'm happy to tell you now. Part of the way God directs us, part, you know, we talk about hearing from God and getting in his timing and doing things God's way, is God warns us right up front, Psalm 1. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the wicked doesn't just mean really nasty people. It just means everybody who's of the world and not going in God's direction already. Now, they don't, they, don't mean to, they don't mean for their counsel to be ungodly, but the source is they don't have the wisdom of God. They don't have the spirit of God. They, they, and it might even be you know, helpful on, on some kind of level, but in terms of what does God want you to do, if, if we're bringing it to the people that don't know God, they can't factor in the God factor. So they can't see the whole picture that you're trying to solve. So... We just have to remember, um, don't take counsel with the ungodly. Hey, man, respect their advice, and, and, and maybe there's a little chunk of it that, that is helpful and godly. I had a buddy, you know, he told me about, he had to confess a big sin to his wife, and, and you know, his, his other friend who just doesn't get it, he's not, he's not of Christian, he doesn't know Christ, he's like, oh, no, but you're crazy, you gotta hide that thing. You stuff that thing, bury that thing, man, you don't ever want her to know that. And that's just counsel with the ungodly. It's, it's the opposite of what God would want to do. So we're going to get that advice. And, and I, can I just, I just want, I want to warn everybody under 30, okay? And I'm not trying to offend you. If, you, if you're a little bit younger, most of your friends have theories, okay? They have hypotheses about how life works. And as soon as they pop out some kids or they get a little further, some of the stuff they believe is going to be right, but if several of those things are going to come crashing down. It's like, oh, that's really not how it works. I thought I knew, and it doesn't work that way. So I'm, I'm just telling you, so just take that with like, hey, you might be right. I'm going to ask some older, wiser people. Let's get a little bit more of that, okay? Now, I'm going to meddle again. Social media. 
So I've just taken like the past couple of years, dude, and I just pulled way back on social media. And I gotta tell you, it's like one of the best decisions I've ever made. Now, I'm not saying that social media is, is the devil. I'm not saying you can't be on social media. But I am saying social media often, because we're not discerning, because we haven't really curated the streams of things that we're seeing, and we just kind of like let the world and everything else into it, okay? It's kind of like, let's just imagine, okay, we're gonna install like a, an open sewer pipe right in your bedroom window, okay? It's just gonna come right in there, you know? And it's a, it's a steady trickle, you know? It's gonna trickle all day, all night long. Now you still have some nice stuff, okay? You got some fine blankets and pillows, you got your collection of whatever, but then again, there's a sewer coming through your window. That's what we do when we just, in an undiscerning way, open ourselves to whatever is on social media. All the negativity, all the hate, all the anti-God, Jesus oppositional, whatever stuff. And you're like, Carter, I'm trying to save the world. Hey, baby, I'm trying to save the world too, you know, in, in the power of Jesus. But then again, I don't want a sewer coming through my window either. There's a lot of world that doesn't include that sewer. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying, hey, maybe it's time for us to just grow into, let's think about this again, okay? We all jumped in about 10, 15 years ago, and let's just think, do I really need this? Is this helping? Or is this just messing with my thinking and making it more worldly? And you can't, dude, with just a little effort, you can just take out all the mess. You can have all the encouragement, you know, all the good stuff, you can keep it. But you have control over that. Maybe we just need to take control. We just decided, you know, Jesus wouldn't be down with this, so uh, I don't think I should be either. So number one, we said our discernment of God's timing increases as we reject the world's thinking. Here's number two. Our discernment of God's timing will increase as we avoid self-promotion. This is a part of it, and it, you almost miss it. He himself also went up, but not publicly, but as though in secret. You know, Jesus is the one who is most worthy of glory. And yet Jesus is oppositional to the idea of self-promotion. He doesn't self-promote. And I think as we keep walking with Jesus, hopefully we'll start to recognize there's danger in just wanting to be seen and wanting to be an influence and always wanting everybody to know about us and wanting to be famous and wanting everyone to see our thing and celebrate our stuff. And again, Jesus celebrates us. And he wants to, hey man, feel good about the ways I made you. Like I made you awesome. There's some great stuff about that. But I think we just need to, to, to think about, am I spending a lot of effort trying to get people's approval? Am I curating my own social media in just such a way so that people will be like, doggone, for a half a second, whew, she's hot. Or what a great life they have. And I spent like an hour putting that scene together or whatever it is. That's just, my friends, it's not good for the soul. Self-promotion, us on our mind and us trying to get out there. Hey, let me just show everybody all my stuff. Don't think that doesn't have an effect on your soul. Jesus didn't go that way. He didn't want to get that way. Listen to this. See the way, Ecclesiastes 7, 13. See the way God does things and fall into line. Jesus says, look at me. Look at how I did it. I could have gone with an entourage. He could have gone with the disciples like brawling trumpets. Here he comes. Hey, it's the Messiah. He's coming. Jesus said, I'll wait on God's time for that. I'll wait till it's the right time. In the meantime, I'm gonna go the back route. I'm gonna take the obscure way. And here's the thing, dude. If we make our entire lives about other people celebrating us, we're gonna get really cold and dim to God's voice and God's will. Because even if you get all that applause, dude, 
but you don't have tightness with Jesus, what do you have? What, what does it profit you to gain the whole doggone world, but you forfeit your soul? I can remember, so there's a moment. Right as I'm getting up to, I'm on my last year of college, okay? And I've been an, I've been an acting major this whole time. And I'm, I'm feeling like, I don't feel like God wants me to do this. The whole plan was, I'm gonna go out to Hollywood after this. Kenzie and I were getting in the car, we're going out to Hollywood. Like, that's what we're gonna do. That's been the plan. And it, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He's like, Carter, even if you get everything that you want, but you don't have me, you're not gonna be happy. Now, I'm not saying acting is wrong. I'm not saying there's not godly people doing godly stuff that way. I'm just saying for me, God was, was, he was saying, calm down, stop, wait, listen. I've got a different direction. That thing you love when you're talking about Jesus to everybody, that something in you just fireworks go off. That's because that's what I want you to do. But I had to let go of that self-promoting, it's all about me. And here's what's awesome about Jesus. God, God, God promotes us to the things we're supposed to get promoted to at the right time as we stay in his timing. So if you're looking for that promotion, you're looking for that next level, you're looking for someone, you know, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's someone to recognize, maybe it's somebody to come to Christ, you know, after years of praying and being deliberate with them. Maybe you're waiting for that, but God says, it's my time though. It's my, I'll take care of the promotion. You don't have to put yourself out there for everybody to see and celebrate. Proverbs 27 too. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. Man, that is a word for this generation. Let somebody else praise you and not your own mouth. An outsider, not your own lips. So I don't know if you've noticed this. I think this, this passage is so cool. So Joshua was, was Moses' little protege, okay? And he's been following Moses like a lot of his life. He's like a teenager and he starts following Moses back and forth at the tent of meeting. He becomes a general He's like the general of the, of the Israelite army, okay? And so he's done all these amazing things. Then he's promoted to be the leader of Israel after Moses died, and he's been the leader, and then he brings them across the Jordan, and the Lord says this to him, really powerful. That day, the Lord, that day, that day, it was that day that the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. He had been their leader already. He was already in charge. And yet that day, there's something that the Lord changed about how people saw him. It was time for him to have a new mantle of authority, a new mantle of promotion, but it wasn't Joshua trying to get it. It was that day the Lord said, okay, I'm just gonna turn it up a little bit. I'm just gonna turn up your ability to influence people because I want you to influence people. I'm just gonna turn it up. And then Joshua suddenly, everybody responded and reacted. And my friends, that's how God wants to do it with us. Whatever his will for you and I is, he says, wait on my timing and be content with what I have for you because it'll be dope, it'll be awesome, it'll rock your face. You just gotta receive it. So, so we need to ask questions. When we're about to make a move, is this like the humble way? Does this demonstrate the grace of God? Does this demonstrate the power of God? Or is this kind of like just humble bragging, me just, just trying to slip in how dope I am? Because you might say, well, I don't think that's very sinful. But it's not the way of Jesus. It's just not the way. It's not how he would do it. It's not his heart. It's not how he goes. You know what God likes? There's a million people behind the scenes just rocking it out for Jesus that nobody knows about. It's not on social media. And God's up there, heart, 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 thousands of hearts on what they're doing. He's just hearting it all the way, man. I see 
this isn't our home. This is where we're staying. These likes don't matter. In a minute, in a minute and a half, we're gonna be in heaven before the Father. And my friend, your reward will not be hidden then. It won't be a secret. It'll be out in the open, just like God wants it to be. So humility waits on God's timing. And Jesus is not just in this moment, you know, huddling back in obscurity. He's modeling for us, this is the way. This is what I want you to do. Humility waits on God's timing. So what do we do? We reject the world. It's thinking at least. We ask God, what is the humbler way to do this? And we recognize that, yeah, dude, it takes, it takes a lifetime to learn to discern God's voice. And we don't get it right all the time. As long as we get it wrong and he's gracious and he's training us, it's not like a, so we're in trouble. It's just part of his training program. I'm gonna close with this scripture. <clears throat> Jesus is in a fight. He's in, not a fight. He's, he's in an argument <clears throat> with these Pharisees again. And they're making all kinds of claims about him and he's, he's saying, no, that's not true, dude. I don't have devils or whatever. And you say that you honor the father, but if you really honor the father, you would honor me. And then he says something so powerful. He says, John 8, 50. I'm not seeking glory for myself, though he's worthy of all the glory. I'm not seeking the glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is judge. And do you know, my friends, God has made this outrageous promise that he wants to actually, when we get to heaven, he wants to share his glory with us. He wants to share his God-sized hearts with us. And he wants, hey, man, look at all my people now. I love these guys. They did such a killer job. And he wants to share his glory. But like Jesus, we have to follow the way of Jesus and say, hey, man, I'm done on earth. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. And he is judge, not all these people. So I'm gonna wait on him. And I'm gonna go the God way. Let's bow our heads. God, your, your word is so good. It's what we need. It's contrary to the ways and the thinking of that which surrounds us constantly. We wanna ask your forgiveness for times, you know, we just, maybe sometimes in ignorance, but maybe not. Maybe sometimes we're, uh, we're, we're wanting that buzz of people loving us, but we're going about the wrong way and we're not looking to you to fulfill us. So we wanna ask for forgiveness. And we wanna ask God, would you help us to live for the glory of heaven? Would you give us a sense that the time is near, that it's gonna be a minute and we're gonna be there. Help us to live for your hearts, master. Thank you for showing us the way. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.